better night when the moon is high. The shadows dance, evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is deadly. So now is the time to let the horror you know in. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. 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 Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Horror You Know podcast. I'm Ian. I'm also Ian. I'm Trent. And I'm not Candyman. No, he said the fifth one. Magic. Oh, okay. I'm not Candy Magic. All right, everybody. We are here tonight to talk about. Candyman, if you haven't figured it out by if now. If you had said another movie title, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> so, Candyman is a movie starring Tony Todd, famously, and uh, Virginia Madsen. Mm. I have a Who question for you. Who can take the sunshine, <laughs> sprinkle it with you? <laughs> the Candyman doesn't do that. Wrong, wrong recording. Ian. Oh, wrong sorry. Candy yeah, man. Wrong, wrong uh, candy man. Baby, I think that sounds very good. Thank you, Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, you're Jewish, right? <laughs> I, I am the whore you know. I know. So Wells is going to tell us the story of Candyman. I'm excited. And well, this is we have to we have to give Wells a little little golf clap. This is Will's first time to host one of these, so let's I appreciate get it. I, this I is not the same all. candy man that's on a ladder sliding across back and forth, throwing bits of candy on the children, right? It might be. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, yeah, as, as you just heard, it's my first time hosting, so I want to thank all of you for coming along to Be My Victim. See what you did there. Thank you, thank you. Is that a candy man? <laughs> So we're going to start by talking about the 1992 film that's inspired all of this that's going down right now. While researching urban legends, University of Illinois graduate student Helen Lyle, played by Virginia Madsen. Oh, this is the movie. We're this is the movie. movie. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we're going to just talk about the plot of the movie and then we'll give our thoughts on it. Graduate student Helen Lyle learns of Candyman, a spirit who kills anyone who says his name five times in front of a mirror. She is inspired to take on the project after learning about a recent murder. She soon learns of two dozen more uh, attributed to the Candyman. Skeptical, Helen and her friend Bernadette Walsh repeat the Candyman's name to Helen's bathroom mirror, but nothing happens. Helen and Bernadette work together on a thesis on how Cabrini Green residents use Candyman to cope with the hardship. She and Bernadette visit the scene of a murder where Helen discovers a room where offerings have been left for the Candyman. Now, the place that they visited was the apartment of Ruthie May. Cabrini Green. If that was, yeah, I can't remember if that was her name in the movie, but we'll get into that a little bit hey, later. Can, can I ask before you get too deep, do you happen to know, was Cabrini Green a real uh, project? It was. In Chicago, right? Yeah. It is? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Very, very... Nasty place. Okay, gotcha. Not so, kept so, up. It was neglected. So uh, it's true to the story. Yeah. It's very poverty, poverty stricken. Yeah, kids were being shot there every day. It was Jesus. just a place you wanted to avoid at all costs. So they worked together on a thesis on how Cabrini Green residents use the Candyman legend to cope with the hardships they deal with. 
She and Bernadette visit the scene of a murder, which we talked about was Ruth and May's apartment, and discovers a room where offerings were left for the Candyman. Afterwards, they meet the victim's neighbor, Anne-Marie McCoy, a single mother raising her infant son, Anthony. Helen and her husband Trevor have dinner with Professor Philip Purcell, an expert on the Candyman legend, who says the Candyman, born in the late 1800s as the son of a slave, grew up to become a well-known artist. After he fell in love with a, and impregnated a white woman, her father sent a lynch mob after him. They cut off his right hand and smeared him with the honeycomb stolen from a bee farm, which attracted bees that stung him to death. This is why in the movies he has the aura of bees that are always around him. Is this where the honeycomb cereal came from? Maybe. Stung to death. <laughs> stung to death. <laughs> to death. Can you imagine being stung to death? It's horrible. I've been stung to life before. It's not fun. I thought we were talking about that movie with Macaulay Culkin, My Girl. <laughs> Too we're, soon, bro. Where his soon. glasses? He can't see him without his glasses. Poor Thomas J. <laughs> it's a really fucking sad movie. <laughs> oh, he was that Hornets? Those are Hornets. Those, yeah, those were Hornets. Okay, my bad. My bad. His glasses. So they smeared him with this honeycomb, and the the bees stung him to death because they're like, "Hey, you don't steal our honey." What you get when you do that? <laughs> Demon bees, apparently, because they followed him to the afterlife and they stayed there. Ah, uh, yes. yes. <laughs> they then burned his corpse in a pyre, and his ashes were scattered across the land on which Caprini Green was eventually built. This is why he haunts it, in case anybody was Andy wondering. Man. What was the year on that again? I'm Andy sorry. Man. Oh, sorry. For when that happened. When he died, or? When that. Uh, it didn't give a year for. Oh, okay. When he died, exactly, it just said that he was born in the late 1800s, so, and he okay. was a slave. Okay, he was a slave. Well, so he probably was a, early he was, 1900s. He was the son of a slave. He was the son of a slave. He actually was a free slave and was a well-known artist and well-received amongst the white community. Right. Correct. And then, um, if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, <clears throat> he he does well. He paints portraits for people, and then he falls in love with somebody important's daughter. Right? This is what starts this whole thing. Yeah, a rich slave owner in time uh, enlisted him to paint his daughter's portrait. Which, naturally, because, like, as Titanic taught us all, when you paint somebody's portrait, you fall in love with them. Mm. So I they fell Trin, in love. I know Trent has painted my portrait at least three times in our lifetime. Mm. Yeah. They fell I in love. Painted, I painted Trent's one time, but it was more like the Titanic scene. Ooh. Did he have the Wait, heart of the ocean? That's what he did to me. What the hell, Trent? You fucking cheater. <laughs> he drew me like one of his French women. <laughs> armpit hair like and everything. Him. Yeah, our, armpit hair. And the biggest French women probably have more than me, honestly. And the biggest problem I have with that is, why have we not seen this picture? Do you want to see it's it? It's behind you. Yeah. He keeps it under <laughs> his mattress. <laughs> this man is yeah, an actually, artist, damn it. It actually is my mattress. It's just a, put on a queen-size sheet. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so he was burned at the fire. His ashes were spread all over Cabrini Green. Mm. That's why he haunts it. He's not happy about what happened. I wouldn't be happy either. Now, then again, I've never been sautéed alive, but I would imagine. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. Having a hook for a hand is kind of fucking cool, though. Yeah, but being burned alive, if I if I touch a hot plate Stung coming out of the death. microwave... But you, know, you come not... back, you go through that pain, but you come back as this wraith-like... 
killer. I don't know, man. I so one of my greatest fears. Cool. One of my greatest fears in life are uh, being burned. Like that is, I I I personally think that is one of the top five worst ways to go. I'm not talking about dying like a house five. fire to where you die of carbon monoxide peacefully. Talking I'm talking about, about actually being all. burned. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. You, you know, know what I mean? Because like I said, because like I said, anytime you touch something hot, when you let it go, you're not just like, oh, that sucked. All right. So anyway, I'm going to go in here. No, like that pain stays with you. It continues to get hot. It's, yeah. it's terrible. That would, that would hurt. That way, that would be terrible. But you're going to so die then, quickly, though. Of something. Do you of of being burned like that though? Like yeah. I, I, I mean, you either die of like the burns. I mean, it's going to kill you quickly, or you're going to asphyxiate. Like I think the worst to me, the absolute worst way to die would be to get stuck somewhere like between crevices and starve to death. Oh, because that goes yeah, through I'm, your I'm, mind for the whole time you're alive till you die. Have I ever told you I'm like basically like borderline claustrophobic? I'm really claustrophobic. So I don't like being in places where I can't turn around. Me too. And then uh, anytime, I know I've mentioned this before, anytime I've ever like watched a movie where um, they're like in a cave even, if they go into the cave and I see them like struggling to crawl, the I descent. freak the fuck out. The Descent and As Above, So Below are oh, two that come to mind. I love both movies, but they're good movies, out. but they freaks me the fuck out watching him and uh wells wells you guys probably know but wells really fucking knows that i am deathly afraid of heights yeah um man i don't i don't handle it well like i said feel free to cut all this out i just want you guys to understand a, i don't like heights but a well-hung black man with a oh you didn't say well hung. <laughs> he can be moderately <laughs> hung. even if he's you're not scared of that if he, if you he's don't, cut, you if don't he's have a voice in. like that if you don't if you're not well hung and your balls if a, if a well no if a well hung black man covered in honey and bees and a hook approach me on solid ground i got no problems i got no quarrels <laughs> with the man shedding innocent blood even if you did fine. you couldn't do jack shit about it because he's gonna get you he's gonna get you if he tells me i'm gonna gut you like a fish be like you know what Probably deserve that. But if he says, I'm going to take you up top and gut you like a fish, I'm like, please, God, just gut me down here. <laughs> please don't take hey, me man. up Everything happens, happens on like the top floors in Candyman. So. Yeah, not cool. Go ahead, Ian. So uh, Helen and her husband, Trevor, just got done having this dinner with Professor Philip Purcell, who tells them about Candyman's origins. And then... When Helen returns to Caprini Green, a man calling himself Candyman attacks her in the bathroom. She identifies her attacker, or her, her attacker, who turns out to be the head of a gang called the Overlords. The police assume he is responsible for the murders. The real Candyman appears to Helen in a parking lot garage and hypnotizes her. If I was going to appear to somebody hypnotize them, it would be in a parking garage. Absolutely. Not where I could see over the ledge, though. He explains that because she has discredited his legend, he must shed innocent blood to perpetuate it. Helen blacks out and awakens in Anne Marie's apartment, covered in blood, to find Anne Marie's pet Rottweiler decapitated and her son Anthony stolen. Distraught, Anne Marie attacks Helen, whom the police arrest while she defends herself. Did we say stolen? Do you mean kidnapped? Not like a leather purse. <laughs> He was stolen. <laughs> he was stolen. <laughs> Somebody stole my baby. So Helen's arrested, obviously, because clearly it looks like she killed this dog, cut its head off, and did something with the baby. Nobody knows where the baby's at. Everybody's freaking out. After Trevor bails her out of jail, 
Helen finds the Candyman is a in a photograph uh, slide taken at Cabrini Green. He appears inside Helen's apartment and cuts her neck, causing her to bleed and pass out. Bernadette arrives at Helen's apartment, and when Helen comes to, she sees that Candyman has burn, murdered Bernadette as well. I'm sorry, what's her name? Bernadette! <laughs> Thank you. I want you to scream it like the four times. Bernadette! <laughs> <laughs> Framed for the crime, Helen is sedated and taken to a psychiatric hospital. A month later, psychiatrist Dr. Burke interviews Helen to prepare her for the upcoming trial. She attempts to prove her innocence by summoning the Candyman, who appears and murders Dr. Burke, allowing her to escape despite being framed for Burke's murder. She returns to her apartment to find Trevor now living with a student. Helen confronts him, then flees to Caprini Green to rescue Anthony. When she finds the Candyman in his lair, he tells her that surrendering to him will ensure Anthony's safety. Offering Helen immortality, the Candyman opens his coat, revealing a rib cage that's covered in bees. The bees pour out of his mouth as he kisses her, and they stream down her throat. He vanishes with Anthony, and Helen awakes to discover a mural of the Candyman and his lover, who bears a striking resemblance to her. The Candyman promises to release Anthony if Helen helps him strike fear into Caprini Green's residence. Attempting to feed his legend, the Candyman reneges on his and attempts to immolate both Helen and Anthony at a bonfire. The flames destroy the Candyman, and Helen dies while saving Anthony. The residents, led by Anne-Marie, who was the neighbor, pay their respects at Helen's funeral. At home, the grief-streaking, guilt-ridden Trevor looks into the mirror and says Helen's name five times. Whereupon, Helen's vengeful spirit appears and kills him. A new mural of Helen dressed in a white dress with her hair ablaze appears in the Candyman's lair. Trent, are you so. crying right now? It's a beautiful story. <laughs> it really is. Trent, have you ever kissed anybody romantically with a mouthful of bees? No. What about beeswax? <laughs> what about Bert's beeswax? Well, if you ever do, you just make sure those bees just stream down their throat. Because that's what they're supposed to be. I want to be honest with you. That freaks me out. It is a little freaky, isn't it? <laughs> I don't like bugs. I don't want them near me. I don't want them in my Hold mouth. Hold on a second. You're okay with tight spaces and heights, but... Bugs is where you draw the line? Yes. Okay. <laughs> now I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. I don't like birds either. What? So everyone knows. What kind of birds? Canaries? Robins? <laughs> Blue Any jays? What are we talking about? Do what you, are you afraid they're going to get? Do what you, you like rockin' robins? I like red robin. Oh. What, are, Yum. What, are you, what are you scared of, Ian? Because you haven't chimed in. What am I scared of? We're kind of like getting caught. Kind of turning into the Pansies R Us podcast now. <laughs> Welcome back to the Pansies R Us podcast. The Pansies, you know. I don't know, really. I'm just scared of tight spaces. Like, I don't think I have any phobies or anything like that. Anything. Mine has really. a reason. Do you want to hear? Yeah. yeah. Real reason. True. True story. So, when I was little, I can't remember, maybe five or six. I mean, Seven, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I had this cousin, and they lived over here in Madison for a while, and it was my dad's brother. It was his second wife's child. So it was like a cousin by marriage. And they were over visiting our house over in Jackson County, and my dad was in the military and had one of those big metal footlockers, right? Had it out in the garage. It might have been up in the attic. I can't remember which, but... It was either in the garage or the attic. And we were playing hide-and-go-seek, and I hid in that locker. 
And my cousin, by marriage, came and locked the locker on me. And I was in that locker for about two hours. Oh, my God. When you Sweating. say locker, you mean like a tight fucking locker. Well, you've seen, you've seen foot lockers. They're about three or four in, uh, feet wide, maybe two feet tall. And I yeah, was, you're not I was locked in. Up. You're talking about like a lay down foot exactly. locker. He's not okay, talking gotcha. about the store in the mall. Like those yeah, are obviously you weren't, a lot in, a, you weren't in the foot locker. I wasn't in the foot locker. In the mall? Okay, gotcha. I'm going to overprice tennis shoes. No, I was I was as a metal guy locker. A referee shirt. Let <laughs> yeah. me out. Sorry. Let me out, man. And I was I was like hoarse from screaming. Yeah, and they were all outside. Blaming. It was summertime. They were all wait, outside. What kind of horse? Like a Palomino or uh, Geronimo? Are we gonna <laughs> Are we gonna get to the reason why this evil woman <laughs> locked you in here? It was a it was a kid. She was a kid. Oh, okay. it was an evil it was kid. I thought he said straight. it was his aunt. I heard by marriage, and I thought no, it was like your was, cousin's wife or something. It was my my <laughs> somebody's dad's daughter, brother. brother is my dad's brother's gotcha. second wife's child. Jesus, so she was well, a cousin way. by marriage, and she was probably 12, 13. She knew what she was evil. doing. Wait, oh yeah, your dad's brother's wife's child. Why don't you just say it was my cousin? Because she's not really my cousin. She's like. Like a step cousin. I never really do saw not, her after that time. So, oh, like a step cousin. Do, do you, they do you, got divorced. Do you not, do you not claim uh, like relatives if it was by marriage? Well, they got divorced. So I don't even remember the kids you, outside okay, of that you. one story. Okay, I understand. So okay. it's kind of, yeah. So, yeah, she's not a friend. She wasn't really a relation so outside of listening. marriage. Definitely not a friend after that, right? Yeah. I don't, even remember, I don't remember the woman's name he was married to, to be honest. But the whole point of the story is it created my claustrophobia for the next 50 years. You know, that makes your origin sense. story. <sighs> why, anyway. why it became the greatest supervillain of all time. Exactly. So I don't think I have any phobies, but if I had to name one, like, I don't know, I think the thought of being buried alive is pretty terrifying. Just being yeah. stuck in a place I'll like that. Maybe you should think about that next so you, time. That will be when you're burying someone alive. <laughs> He's just throwing dirt on somebody. They're like, please. He's like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's gotta that suck. That so looks bad. terrible. <laughs> Ian, I'm alive. Shut up, you wake the neighbors. Okay, Feel so are we still talking about the movie? We are. Okay, go. So that was the plot of Candyman. Now I just want to get everybody's thoughts and feelings on it real quick. So I've got one real quick feeling. All right. Why the hell did he have to try to? Pin it on somebody. <laughs> that makes no sense yeah, with the plot it at all. He's he's, like he's he's an urban legend. He's an urban legend it killer does, that's that kind of not see. really real. It does make is a lot of sense. How's that? How? And he wasn't just trying to pin it on anybody. He was pinning it on her because she was discrediting his legend, which was killing the fear. That's what I like about Candyman too. Is he's not just some guy who was killed and decided, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna haunt all these people and kill them. But that also he, proves the point. As long as the people are scared to say his name in the mirror, his fear is living on. So he's not going to be trying to kill any of those people. But this woman comes along and she's looking into it, and she doesn't. She's try, she's completely discrediting everything. But that, who she? But wouldn't this, that be more of a reason exactly. for people to do it in the mirror because they know nothing's going to happen? If she proves nothing's going to happen, then they wouldn't do it. Right? <clears throat> well, my she thing had is, proved it, yeah, because her paper wasn't released. But that's right, I'm saying, to. but like, but like, even if she had proved it, but he knows that she's trying to discredit him because she actually says his name in the mirror five times, conjuring him up. But she right. thinks it's a joke still. No, I, and we agree with what you're saying. But what I'm saying is, like, if she discredits it, 
isn't that more of a reason for you to do something? If you know there's no consequence for it, wouldn't you like be fucking around at a house party? You understand what I'm saying, it, guys, right? Like, if well, like the I'll beginning of the one, movie, they were kind be, of this would be easier. Let's just go in the bathroom right now. No. <laughs> I will never so have you say that to me again. Your pants I also down. disagree with that. Turn off the lights. We're stopping right your there. Your knees can make it upstairs one more time. I heard time, about man. the legend of You're Bloody right. Mary when I was like eight years old, and I still have Won't no desire it. to say that woman's name in the mirror. Even though I know that Now, wait a minute. You and I real. and a few other people have done Bloody Mary. I have not done Bloody Mary in the mirror with you. You have. I was not there. Yeah. I promise I was oh, not wait. there. He was talking under his breath. He was saying Bloody Harry. <laughs> Bloody Harry. No, no, David, you stole my joke. I was going to say, oh, never mind. He said Muddy Harry. <laughs> Muddy Harry. <laughs> Sorry. That still okay. kind of proves, okay. proves my point, though. If he's trying to keep the legend going by getting pissed that she was trying to break the legend, why would he go to the extremes of trying to frame her? Because then that gets more people... To believe that he's not real, it was her. But the underground people will believe it, but the cops won't believe it. They'll still think she did it. So he's getting more people not to believe it on one hand and just a few to believe it on the other hand. So I was like, I don't understand the whole reasoning. Plus, you have the, uh, she she looks like his woman, his lover. So why is he, I don't, I just don't get it. I don't the, the mural on the wall resembled her. What he's trying to do is to create a new legend to With keep her? his legend alive. Bloody yeah. Helen. Yeah. Or <laughs> Muddy Helen. Yeah. It's burning. I mean, Helen. I love the movie. That's my opinion. I mean, I love the movie. I think it's a cool movie, but I just don't understand the logic in some of it. And that's why he says, be my victim and be immortal. Maybe he was just lonely. He's making her part Maybe of the he legend. wanted someone he's, else he's to... Like, he's like, he pretty much tells her, like, I'm not going to lie to you. You're going to go through all kinds of excruciating pain. He's like, but the immortality that you'll gain from it will pale in comparison to the pain you feel. And wasn't he supposed to be immortal? How'd he get stabbed and burned at the end? Goddamn, well, I got quiet here. <laughs> I guess you have to watch the sequels for that. I have Even though they're the not very good. My my opinion, Dave. I'm like, go okay. My opinion, and way before we've done this, growing up, I've seen this movie several times. I, um, it, it's been one of those like, if it comes on, I won't turn it. But at the same time, I'm really not a huge fan of it. I say several times. I've probably seen it three times in my lifetime. Is he writing your name wait, on his list? Wait, what wait, don't, wait, wait, I'm sorry. You just made the list. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please don't get me. I'm the only one. I don't want to be buried alive. That's a very tight space <laughs> I don't want to be involved in. No, man, I'm, I've never really been a fan of this movie. I've never been a fan of any of the sequels. Obviously, if we're linking in the other two, this is the best of the three. That's not to say I like it. The other two are just that bad. Uh, in one man's opinion, I have also watched the remake. I thought it was neat how they tied it in. I also did not like the remake as well. I liked them both. I think they're both really solid, solid movies. I thought I did too. Part two was not that great. Part three was absolutely trash. I thought, uh, but part two wasn't that bad. It was it was watchable. Um, but I still don't understand the logic of what I just said. I don't understand why he made her into that, but uh, it almost alludes to she's the new Candyman, and and a lot of people kind of had a problem with that because it was supposed to be about uh, 
kind of the, you know, I don't want to get into whatever your background is going to be because I don't know quite yet what no, your please background go ahead. be, but it's, a, it was kind of about like how African Americans are treated and not only by people, you know, at that time when he was murdered, but people nowadays. So it showed a correlation between the, uh, the separation of lines in the city of Chicago and in America right. between, you know, it wasn't rich versus poor. It was definitely rich versus poor, but it's also black versus white. Yeah. And then they had that stereotypical white savior. So it's like, to me, the first one was a mixed message. And I think some people picked up on that. And other people just like, well, this is just part of the way movies are made back in the nineties. But having the white woman as the, uh, main star as opposed to you know Angela Bassett something else I don't know it just it, it, it's interesting but, but you have to admit Virginia Madsen was pretty damn good in that movie she's hot yeah. she's good I she's a good actress movie. I love it and it also like it, it alludes to like uh, after the Civil War you know you had a lot of freed slaves obviously and wait what white America yeah <laughs> White America did not take kindly to that in the South. And this is very, even though it takes place in the North, this is very uh, close to home on, you know, that and gentrification and putting them in their place. And, you know, it's like it just reeks of that whole idea of having a section of a city just for minorities and you know, it's kind of a tomb for them and, and he lords over that. So it's like, it's a really good uh, kind of metaphor for the whole thing. I think, I think a I, tomb for Cabrini Green is a very accurate description too, because that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. People were stuck there in it. And, and this was like the first horror movie of its kind to like touch on those kind of social injustice issues and communities that are neglected by the government and like not even really... Apartments that should be livable. Yeah. So, what about you, Trent? You watched it most recently for the first time. How'd you feel about it? I'll be honest with you guys. I wasn't going to reveal this story, but I might as well. You were sleeping over there, weren't you? No. What happened was, Means was going to lend the movie to me, and we had the ice storm. The ice storm cometh, if you will. And so I didn't. He didn't. We didn't get to meet up for me to borrow the movie from him. But out of the kindness of his heart, he did a Zoom call with me, and he put the movie on on his TV, and I watched it via Zoom. And I'm sure you all by this point in 2022 are familiar enough with Zoom, but it is not meant for picking up much other than the human voice. So I heard a lot of the dialogue, but I did not get a lot of the uh, like the ambiance and the the you know the overall movie experience. And so it was kind of I watched it. I think I got the gist of it, but I would not really qualify it as like a full-on watch because it was like... So let me ask you this. Could you hear the music in the movie? I heard some of it. It was like watching like a like a, a hand cam version of a movie. No, he had a, you must have had it on a tripod or it something. Tripod. It was very steady. I'll give him some credit there. Yeah, steady but hand. How did you all feel about the music in this movie? Because I think it's wonderful. It's done by Philip Glass. Soundtrack's excellent. Yeah. One so my so let me ask you soundtracks of all time. Did they call him Mr. Glass? Some people probably did. 
<laughs> the main theme I did here. Oh my god, I need to walk The main like piano themes I was talking about. All of it, really. Like, just even the the. The opening theme was not even actually the the Candyman's theme like during the credits, but yeah, just hearing that theme each time. I've watched that movie like I don't know, probably like fifty times, and I still get excited hearing that. And the opening shots too to show the skyline of Chicago, and then it immediately goes into Cabrini Green with a at the time probably was a helicopter shot because they didn't have drones back then, but a helicopter shot of them just going left to right over the expanse of the Cabrini green and showing almost the desolation of it and how you would feel living there. You know, like you'd feel like it's a whole nother isolated world and then going straight into the story. I mean, it was, I mean, I thought it was a great movie. Like I really love that movie, but I just don't understand parts of the logic of it, but I mean, that's kind of part of the appeal as well. You know, you don't yeah. have to understand everything about it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, uh, it suffers in some areas from being an early nineties movie, but I think it still holds up pretty well today myself. And I have to say Tony Todd, I've met him and he is as cool as any character he plays in his movies. I mean, he's got that deep voice. He's like six foot five or six. Has big. I mean, I shook his hand. His hand just like it was a hook. Engulfed. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a hook covered in that's bees. Why and got, that's it why you got. That's why you got. I'm movie. sorry. Felt like a hook. It was, I don't know why engulfed my hand. It was crazy. <laughs> he's a he was a cool dude, and I think it's a good, really good movie. I like it. Yeah. I love the new one too. Like a. Some people hate it. I think Nia DaCosta did a good job. I mean, it's not one of my favorite new movies that has come out, but it's there's good parts in it, I'll say. It's not over. I don't know. Tony Todd. I go back and forth. I need to probably watch it again. I've watched it twice. Tony Todd's voice is not only epic, but he is actually like credited as like making the Candyman what he is because... When the characters first created, they didn't know what he was going to look like or anything. Candyman wasn't actually a black man until Tony Todd was casted. Uh, Tony Todd was responsible for coming up with the backstory for Candyman. Candyman was actually a little Debbie. Gave you the, <laughs> <laughs> the treats. Of, I think he definitely, like, like, yeah, his presence as an actor, I think, definitely took the character and made it something more legendary than it could have been. Because, I mean, really, like, yeah, having a hook for a hand is kind of creepy, but, like, otherwise, it's not like he looked all that scary, really. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he had the big coat on and a hook. I feel like if it had been anyone else, it probably wouldn't have been nearly as creepy. But he definitely, like, owned it and, and his voice and just his whole presence. I, I think, think that voice, more than anything, like, more than his looks, like, yeah. if I'm in a dark bathroom and I hear, be my victim, <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck, cuz? I'm gonna get Why would anybody but you say that though? Like you're you're the serial killer in the bathroom. Am I? <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> so the ending of the movie. How did y'all feel about that? With Helen becoming the new vengeful spirit. I thought it was kind of cheesy, personally. But didn't you love the fact that she got revenge on her abusive, cheating husband? Yes. No. Was he technically cheating? Because, I mean, she he wasn't a psychiatric much, ward. Uh, Did uh, he break sh- things off with her? <laughs> she was definitely, he was definitely were cheating. They on a break. <laughs> Sir, marriage vows do not say to stick with your partner through sickness and health unless they go to a psychiatric ward for a little bit. 
Well, speaking from a man that's been married. Mm-hmm. You should know. Uh, yeah. I feel like somebody just got ripped up there. <laughs> Gutted down the middle. That's not what I meant. I was just saying you should know about marriage vows. Yeah. And how they go. I would. You wouldn't. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, that's not how it works. If our listeners could only see Trent and myself's face right now watching this conversation. All right, well, y'all have a good night. We still love you, buddy. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> it's because you know I have nowhere else to go. So, I have nowhere else to go. Oh, Fun Tony sorry. Todd fact. He was paid $1,000 for each bee sting that he received during the making oh of this God, movie. How many bee stings did he get? I believe now it was 30. All together. That's Bee a negotiator stings. right there. That's Bee probably like stings. the first thing I would like. So, I mean, if you think I about it. I thought you said to- bee stings. I was yeah. like, <laughs> like bee, stings? bee stings? On top of what B-A-S-T-I-N-G-S. he was paid to, to make this movie, he was paid at least $30,000 so just for the bee stings he received. When he was signing it, was he saying, be my paycheck? <laughs> probably. I can't stop. I'm so sorry. If I was him, I would be like faking some of them too. Like, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think somebody came think up with the end for each like checking him? Hey, you said 30. There's only there's yeah, like 17 right, That's a zit. That's a zit. We're not counting that one. For $1,000 a pop in the early 90s, which was a lot more money than it is now, they probably had somebody there checking. I'm sorry. Tony Todd, to me, will always be the security guard from Lean On Me. He's all those things. Wow. <laughs> so the original movie is actually based on, I'm reading here, on a 1985 short story, They're Forbidden. Which was a horror master Clive Barker's uh, short story, which he also based on a 1978 short film that he had made and directed. So it was like a 25 I minute knew, short. I knew the Clive Barker part. I didn't yeah. know the second part of that, that, that what he was basing it on. I've heard of The Forbidden. I've, yeah, I've, so he did a short I've, film I've never, and then did a story about it. I've never read any Clive Barker. Uh, Darren, you and I had this conversation last week in between Fire in the Sky. Um, I. Aren't I aren't I aren't a fan. I aren't an English major. I aren't, I aren't into <laughs> English, so I am not really into the movie adaptations of Clive Barker. I mean, I I get that they're classics like this movie. Not a fan. Um, <laughs> Hellraiser. Not a fan. I know you gave me shit for that. Oh, last I, week. I love Hellraiser. I love Did Hellraiser. you say that in your review? I can't remember that you were not a fan of this. So let's take a tally on our on our website eventually, one of our websites or okay. social media, like how many different movies he's not a fan of that we talk about on this podcast. <laughs> We've got Hellraiser, Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> We've got Candyman. Does Hell does uh, Hellraiser count? If hey, we haven't reviewed He's it. like the movie does, version. I'm just saying, like that you've said about on this podcast. He's the movie version like of the Moody Foodie from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> He doesn't like anything. <laughs> I like things. I just am not easily as impressed. I'm sorry. He liked he liked the birds though. <laughs> Odd. Yeah, it's a classic. He liked Hitchcock's I, I The hate Birds. Trent <laughs> hates birds over here. All right. So just so we're clear, just the animal. And and give me a show of hands. Actually, don't do that. How many times have I given you people shit for things that you like that I don't? Never. So why am I taking shit right now? I'm sorry, I don't like things. We I have am. to we have, we have to have a balance on the podcast. Yeah. We can't all like everything. Yeah, we I have don't to like have things. somebody that likes nothing. 
That's me. You're that guy. You fit that role. No, I'm just saying. I feel like I'm being shit on for it. Shit on. No, That's all. No, shit on. Now here's the thing. You're not being shit on. Maybe fist on, but not shit on. I was gonna say if it's a, if I'm going to bury you. Ian is the, uh, if it's the old Cleveland steamer, that's one. Thing. Ian is the uh, comic book guy of our cast here. Worst horror movie ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> I will only see it three more times. And like correcting today. people, actually, <laughs> it was from episode two. All, All right, right, so we got a little bit more here to talk about. So you may be yeah. asking yourself, like, why in the Candyman movies is the mirror so important to the story? No, I didn't actually. Not, not hmm. well, I was, I was washing dishes the other day, and you know what I said? <laughs> well, I wish I had a million dollars. And why <laughs> in the Candyman movies so <laughs> is the mirror so important? Well, you should have been asking because you're supposed to be preparing yourself for this. Okay. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> so let's talk about the fact that, unfortunately... The uh, medicine cabinet murders were a very real thing that happened in Cabrini Greens because they were built so shitty that you could actually enter somebody's apartment through crawl spaces behind their medicine cabinet. All you had to do was knock it out of the wall, just like she did in the movies. I find that more terrifying than the, the It absolutely is. Yeah, because like you said, that that's a real thing. So yeah. how many people knew about this, though? Ian. All he the murdered developers, all his... the people who well, built the building. The people that live there did not... Yeah, they knew about it. I mean, could you not take your cabinet out and put like a... There were reports that a lot of people... Was that like, cementing the wall? <laughs> I was thinking like even just a piece of wood or something. There, something. there are reports that a lot of people would like place furniture and stuff in front of their bathroom doors and they would keep like a bucket or something in their bedroom so they didn't have to use the bathroom at night because they were that terrified. And this went on for way too long. Well, thank you, Ian. I'll never shit in my bathroom again. I hope you don't. <laughs> you don't deserve it. What would you doing if you were just... <laughs> Pants down on the toilet, you just see your, your medicine cabinet starts somebody to rattle right through. next to you. Oh, I'd, God. I'd probably just sit oh on the toilet all night with my Louisville slugger and just wait for somebody to try to climb through and just crack them in the skull with it. Well, it's funny because actually my laundry room's on the other side of that, so that would be freaky. Yeah. yeah. So, Are you doing a load? You know who is actually a load. <laughs> terrified by this? Ruthie Mae McCoy. Let's talk about her. Ruthie Mae McCoy was a living example of how our institutions fail the, mar the marginalized and underprivileged. A black woman who grew up on Chicago's South Side, she began exhibiting symptoms of mental illness in her 20s. Despite the consensus that McCoy was mentally ill, those close to her weren't able to identify her condition, only that she would talk to herself and curse out strangers on the street suddenly and unpredictably. She would later be diagnosed with a residual type of schizophrenia, a diagnosis that arises when someone has experienced schizophrenia. Means his medicine just fell out of his wallet. <laughs> what it sounded like in the past, but is not currently exhibiting symptoms. When she was in the throes of mental illness, it affected McCoy's ability to hold down a steady job. She was never able to maintain employment for longer than a month. To make matters more difficult, she was institutionalized several times throughout her life. Eventually, in 1983, McCoy would find herself living in ABLA homes, public housing, which was coincidentally located near Caprini Green, the setting for 1992's Candyman. Despite her circumstances, there was evidence of McCoy taking steps to leave the projects in the months before her murder in 1987. McCoy had received approval for a supplemental security income. Not only did this double the monthly monetary assistance she received, 
Social Security income paid retroactively to the date of application. This meant that McCoy's first check was nearly $2,000, which was a hefty sum of money for someone struggling with poverty in the 80s. This is where the failure to act comes in by the law enforcement and I would say like the the management system of Cabrini Greens. Uh, McCoy intended to use the check to help her leave ABLA homes, but she also used some of the money to buy new clothes and a few household items that weren't extravagant. Spending by any stretch of the imagination, but the acquisitions would have drawn notice. Whoever killed McCoy likely targeted her because they believed she had a large sum of money stashed in her apartment. On the evening of April 22, 1987, Chicago PD received a phone call from McCoy. The frantic call confused the dispatcher. Recordings showed that McCoy told them that people threw the cabinet down and were coming through the bathroom. Uh, remember I told you all that these apartments were built with these crawl spaces behind the medicine cabinets for you. The crawl spaces were apparently put there in the first place so maintenance could easily access the plumbing through these. Mm. But it, it, obviously it wound up being a big problem. So McCoy told them the people threw the cabinet down and were coming through the bathroom. While today we know this meant that the attackers were breaking in via the bathroom medicine cabinet, the dispatcher didn't immediately make the connection. Despite the confusion, a police car was sent in response to the call. What followed was a bewildering, bewildering display of negligence. Unfortunately, the dispatcher didn't notice that or didn't note down that McCoy's call was as a break-in. It was recorded as a disturbance. Perhaps the misreporting can explain the lack of urgency on the part of the officer sent. Before the car arrived, the Chicago PD received more 911 calls from neighbors reporting that they heard gunshots and shouting. Several officers eventually arrived at McCoy's home, but when they knocked on the door, no one answered. So they just left. <laughs> Isn't that messed up? Well, <laughs> bye. We tried. Our Thanks for listening to the You Know podcast. We'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wraps up that. Not to yeah, make another Simpsons Mr. reference to this Officer Wiggum. All right, boys. No one's home. We did our best. <laughs> so... A couple officers went up, Lou. <laughs> to the uh, ABLA Homes Management Office to retrieve the key to her apartment, but for unknown reasons, it didn't fit the door's lock. Given McCoy's frantic phone call and the follow-up reports from neighbors, you would think the officers on the scene would attempt to overcome these setbacks instead. But they didn't. They left. Once again, is this because they tried? Is this because of the area, and they probably? Go there a lot for a lot of various things that they just kind of get. They had a lot to do with that. And it also had the effect to do with, uh, I guess somehow they knew that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of crimes. There's a lot of, it's a it's a bad area. They probably are there a lot. And so they probably just yeah. are just kind of jaded police officers that don't really. Well, that definitely played into it. But also like somehow they, they knew that this woman was schizophrenic. So I guess a lot of people didn't believe her in the first place. Hmm. And she was like, when she called, she was like, yeah, people are coming through the walls and trying to but kill me or whatever. even a schizophrenic person that <clears throat> is making something up should have a welfare check on? and should yeah. be, you know, because they could be harmful to themselves or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, not just like, obviously, you don't listen to a lot of crime podcasts. Uh, I don't. Cops, cops do two things. One is they don't, they don't prevent crime. They don't. Well, we're not going to get on a... One is not investigate. And, and two is once the crime happens, it 
kind of depends on they the are, area of the the country you're in and the area of the town you're in in that part of the country. They don't prevent crimes, right? but they are to protect and serve. They like are right supposed there on to, the badge. But... Yeah, we're not going to do a big cop debate because I don't think any of us will probably have a whole lot of nice things to say. But <laughs> no, um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I was just, I yeah. just don't think they checked up. I think yeah, they, I they think definitely did. You're right. They they thought she was crazy. She was in a poor area. They really didn't give a shit. Yeah, they they did not give a damn about that area of the city at that point. So the next evening, Chicago PD would receive another phone call from another of McCoy's neighbors. The neighbor told police that McCoy normally greeted her twice a day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, but she hadn't seen the other woman since the day before. Several police officers returned to McCoy's apartment. Once again, they knocked on McCoy's door. Once again, their calls went unanswered. And once again, instead of asserting that uh, ascertaining McCoy's welfare, welfare, they simply left because that's what they do. They knock on the door. And once again, and they once leave. again, they, fail. they leave. <laughs> yeah. I just picture being just like a real quick, all right. Just like, <laughs> we knocked. The knock is actually on the walk away. So yeah. just, they're dragging the door as they're walking. <laughs> well, we tried. Help! <laughs> yeah, well, no, seems like nobody's home. Yeah. Deborah Lastly, the neighbor who regularly saw McCoy, was not deterred. Seeing that police would be of no help, she contacted the management office, which I guess the police couldn't do themselves. Which, who did she contact? Management office. Gotcha. The office sent I a heard couple my people. Boom. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't hear management. I know that. The office sent a couple people to McCoy's apartment, who finally got to the door open. There, they came upon a grisly scene. Ruthie Mae McCoy was found in her bedroom, shot multiple times, and lying in a pool of her own blood. The room had been ransacked, and because it had been a couple of days since the break-in had happened, the smell of decomposition had begun Blah. to pervade the apartment. Because that's Was what happens Bill when Cosby you hear... Bill throwing up over there? Because that's Blah. what happens when you hear a bunch of gunshots, and you just knock on the door and then leave two days in a row. Yeah, if I hear gunshots when I'm knocking on the door, I'm not going to go check it out. i got to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. But I'm sure gunshots were probably pretty commonly heard on a... What do you what do you mean daily basis? Maybe not mean? a daily basis. What do you mean, Trent? What are you trying to say? He's He's saying right. it's a bad area. You're right. Gunshots like, are like you know. Well, Officer Wiggums came in and he was like, "Let me see this. Um, yeah. <laughs> we've got one dead lady on the floor. Cuff him, Lou. Cuff him, Lou." <laughs> but it is no surprise the case eventually goes cold. So that, that story was real. Yeah. The Ruthie Mae McCoy, uh, McCoy real, story. That was the real McCoy? Yep, that's the real McCoy. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. Rascal. Her murder inspired the part in the Candyman movie where the bathroom mirror becomes the focus point of the murders in the movie. So Sweet. Yeah. Now, did it have to do with Bloody Mary as well, that led urban legend? Bloody Mary, did he kind of get some of that from that as well? Yeah, some of that comes from the Bloody Mary urban legend, but also some of it comes from the Hookman, too. Let's talk about that. You want to talk about that? Let's do it. Oh, we'll talk about that. Oh, man, people used to call me that all the time, the hook. Nope, nope. It's because hooker man. What else uh, did they call you? That's because your penis like hooked to the it's left. I have a hook dick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It leans to the left. Somebody would try to walk away and be like, get over here. <laughs> Snag him. What were they, like little midgets? 
Yes, actually. Like a bad act on a stage, you just yank him off with your... Get off the stage! (laughs) It's all in the hips. Steve (laughs) Harvey's like, get him off the stage! (laughs) (laughs) I got him, boss. (laughs) We're touching to the real-life inspiration behind the Candyman movie. Now we're talking about some of the urban legend behind it. So, Candyman is obviously not really based on a true story. It's just inspired by true events. What? What? I know, it's crazy. But I, I still, if I were you, would not dare to say the name Candyman five times. You know, a we're all about research. On just this don't pod. test the truth. I'm just saying, we're just all about do. the research. I don't see a reason we Ian, shouldn't go into the. You got to pee, right? Now. Why don't you yeah. uh, <laughs> Actually, kill two birds with one stone? Yeah. Well, why don't you go do that by yourself? Come I'll back tell here you what, you guys know how I, Report your findings. You guys know how I am. I'm always down to kill two stones with one bird. I'm not talking about that stone you're about to pass. I'm oh. talking about the... Oh, sorry. So, Candyman, the original movie is actually based on a 1995 short story called The Forbidden by Horror Master. Wait, it came out in 1995? Well, the movie was in 1992. came out in 85. I was going to oh. say, how did the movie know? Had the movie, the movie came out in 92. The short story, the short came, story out came out in 85. Okay. 85. Clive Barker. Yeah. By Clive Barker, that's right. <laughs> I think I've heard this story before. Which you did. <laughs> it, was, it was a segue. <laughs> Means is all about just burying the leads of people's research. He's good at it. It's all right, though. That's a great story. Here's a better one. <laughs> When I know so, a little bit about something, right. I like to let people know. Yeah, it's all I know good. a little bit about it. It's all Wait, good, buddy. The horror you know? The horror you know. Based on The Forbidden by Clive Barker, which <coughs> itself was based on a 1978 short film. So Barker's story provided the framework for Candyman. So the movie follows the graduate student, Helen, who is working on his thesis research into local urban legends of the Candyman. God, he's getting closer. (laughs) Eventually, her investigations and skepticism draw the attention of the real Candyman and his wrath. In both the book and movie, Helen ends up murdered by a vengeful Candyman and then becoming part of the local folklore surrounding the Candyman. How many times was that? Be careful. You said it at least three times there. But not in the mirror. Not only is he getting closer, but your selfie camera is on. That's the same thing. So let's get into the urban legends oh that influence some of the story. Your phone is a black mirror, Ian. Don't you know that? Yeah. Excuse me? What'd you just say? It's a black mirror. Oh, it's Why's it got to be black? Oh, my God. It's the, the show, Black Mirror. It's never mind. <laughs> anyway. So. What you mean, you people? Yeah, so other than the Ruthie May murder, uh, we'll call it the medicine cabinet murders. <laughs> Is that what they're called, or is that what you're calling it? Well, it's been known to call that. Who's been known to call it? <laughs> it's it's technically the Ruthie May murders, but you know it happened through the medicine cabinet. So yeah, oh my god, we'll anyway, go with that. Okay. So, other than that, it, it's heavily influenced by like the Hookman urban legend and Bloody Mary. So, in the Hookman story, a young couple is making out in a parked car when suddenly. A breaking radio bulletin announces that a serial killer has escaped from a nearby mental institution. I'm sorry, what year is this? And he has... I didn't say a year. Oh, continue. Yeah, I don't have the year right now. (laughs) But a breaking radio story breaks out that a 
serial killer has escaped from a nearby mental institution and he has what for a hand? A hook. Oh, fuck. That's oh, right. Shit. You didn't see that? Oh, no, wait. I heard he had it on his foot. He might have. He had a hook, he had a hook foot. <laughs> he got that hook he toe. He had a pegged foot. As, as in meatballs. Bill I Murray. would be terrified of a hook foot. <laughs> oh, because remember that? <laughs> How could he have a hook on his foot? Yeah. He had a, you said they announced it across the radar. I thought, extra, extra. He had a hooked foot and a strong hand. So there are different versions of the story. Yeah, I don't know. I was gonna I roll need with these it. sound effects. Oh really? God. Never seen a scary movie? I've seen wow. it. I've seen it. So there are different versions of the story, but it usually involves the girl being scared and then hearing something scraping along the car. The guy tells her not to worry. It's just a tree branch, but she convinces him to leave anyways. As he peels off, <laughs> neither of them notice that they've brought something with them. Why is he peeling off of his just a tree branch. I think I'd be pretty worried if a tree branch was scraping my car, right. too. <laughs> We're on the highway. <laughs> so they peel off, and I guess later on they realize that there's a single hook hanging from the door handle. Oh, well, that's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. You said from the door handle? That's right. What style car is this? Who knows? Corvair. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, wait a minute. Yeah. It comes around. Son of a bitch. So, that's one part of the urban legend. The next part... Where does the saying his name five times in the mirror come from? Oh, Do tell. Mary. None other than Bloody Mary herself. Or. Wait, what? Oh, I thought you were saying she started spreading the rumor. You didn't hear this from me, but if yeah. you said candy. Man. Was Bloody Mary five times? Bloody Mary. Or was it three, three times? times? Different. I'll, I'll tell you what. I was thinking you three. go into the bathroom. I, no, I, no, no. I will get to that in just a second. We're not talking about Bloody Mary tonight. We're talking about Candyman. Yeah. Aren't they like second cousins? You're about to find out. Oh, well, probably yeah. you actually won't find out that, but you got to find out some stuff. <laughs> okay. So I don't know where we're going. The this. urban legend of Bloody Mary is arguably even more well-known than the Hookman. Before I get into this too much, <laughs> okay. when did you all hear about Bloody Mary? Because like I said, I heard about Bloody Mary at like eight years old and it terrified the what shit out of me. What year is this? For what? For Bloody Mary? No, what year are we in right now? 2022? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what drunk are you? Gosh dang it. <laughs> so, so... If it's 2022, I probably heard about it in 19. 19- <laughs> yeah, I really don't know where I'm going. Let's go ahead and continue. I don't know. I was probably in school. I you don't were eight years old. Age. Hold on. I'm going to go the other direction. You were born in 85, correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. All right. You would have been eight. I would have been seven. Seven years. That would have made this 1993. I'm close, right? Yeah. Don't agree. Wait, Tell me. What sure. month are we in? <laughs> Wait, what time is it right now? What time is it? What time zone are we in? Is this BC or <laughs> are we on Central Mountain Do, time? Let me ask you this. Do you all remember which version of the story? Because there's different versions of Bloody Mary's story. I just, no. Just the saying it in the mirror and she'll show up and kill you. I, I'll we tell you. That pole. I was in fifth grade. I was in fifth grade when I first heard it. All right, it. so it's 2022. You were in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. I would have so been. This is right around when the Zodiac murders were happening. Oh, right? No, oh, I would have so been. Long. That would have been about. I'm kidding. 1984. Oh, I was so, almost born. So we're talking 84. Um, and it was a Halloween party. And we used to have a Halloween party out at Brianna Reynolds' house. So shout out to really? Brianna. Really, Brianna? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, we used to have a big bonfire and a hayride and everything. So. 
a lot of cool stuff happened there. The and craziest the, thing happened. You got hit of the hay ride. Then Means got locked in a box. Me and my first <laughs> girlfriend. Over you know? the fire? That's why he doesn't like fires. So anyway. Funny story. We, we, did a, we did a Bloody Mary thing there, and we did all kinds of like stuff. Like you drank you know? Bloody Marys, or like you didn't? We did. It was a Karen night at Chili's. That's oh, what you Wait, in the mirror? Yeah. Were you outside on a hay ride? Who had a mirror out there? Was it like a... Pocket no, thing. I just said it was a barn. We went to a barn. What barn has mirrors? <laughs> it was like a literally a like a house. It was like a barn. Like a house barn. There's some nice yeah, barns. Like out she there. lived in it. Cows not allowed to look at themselves <laughs> in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Privileged <laughs> motherfucker. Excuse the fuck out of me. I don't <laughs> know. Not knowing there were mirrors. We just did barns. the blood we did the Bloody Mary thing there that night. Man, there, you, you gotta so. remember, I lived on a three hundred and fifty acre house. <laughs> Okay, so I, I forgot. <laughs> they also don't know what year it is. So I tell this story at a uh, Halloween party I went to in the fourth grade and made a kid cry, and that was a pretty good time. He was the kid, actually. No, what about the legend? Is this similar to the legend of Biggie Smalls? It might be. What? Yeah, you say Biggie Smalls five times. So I, didn't, I, didn't hear the, I didn't hear the legend. Uh, so yeah. what was the legend you told? <laughs> we're so off the fucking rails. Uh, so... <laughs> Trying to reel it back in. So virtually every kid in America knows some version of the sleepover game or the story of Bloody Mary. Uh, you say her name three times. Uh, sometimes it's been known that you have to say it seven times or even 13. Oh, my God. Who's got that kind of time? I'm 13, <laughs> I would lose count times? after a certain knick-knack. <laughs> Patty already, give a dog a bone. 13 yeah. times I'm asleep. <laughs> uh, you're supposed to be in a dark room and... Usually, Cite the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. <laughs> and not only foot. that, but you're supposed to be carrying a lit candle too. So Nicholas Cage shows up in the mirror. <laughs> to, I'm, I'm the Candyman. If you go through all that trouble, you say it the three or five or thirteen or whatever times. Okay. Bloody Mary will appear and try to snatch your eyes out of your skull. Hmm. Well, I've got terrible vision anyway, so the joke's on her. The origin of Bloody Mary differs depending on how or who's telling the story. Some say she was a witch who was burned at the stake for practicing black magic. And more modern interpretations say she was a young woman who was disfigured and killed in a tragic car accident. Why's it got to be black magic? Well, that's the worst magic. <laughs> there, wow. there are also a few real-life real women that historians suggest the Bloody Mary legend could be influenced by. Name six of them. I can't. Mary Tudor. <laughs> That's the most important one. So. And there really was one of them. I know. <laughs> what the mayor has to do with all this is that researchers in Italy. Why are you skipping Whoa! this? You just said. What mayor? What, what mayor? And I named one and then you skip it. What? What happened? I was like, name name six. Ian's just I, trying to is, power through these notes, man. He's trying to name write. one. He names Mary Tudor, who, who I, I'm pretty sure that when you go back and listen to this recording, you'll hear me reply, I don't have him. Yeah, but he named one and then you start talking I'll about tell the mayor. You, I'll tell you right now. Go ahead. I've got him up. I Mary Tudor, Mary mm-hmm. the First of England, a Catholic queen who put so many Protestants to death that earned her the nickname of Bloody Mary. One. Elizabeth Bathory, a 16th century Hungarian noblewoman who tortured and murdered hundreds of peasant girls between 1590 and 1610, earning, among others, the nickname of Countess of Blood Mary. (laughs) Mary Worth, an accused witch, which is what you just mentioned, who was blamed for kidnapping young girls and put to death during the Salem Witch Trials. And Mary Worth, a woman in Illinois who lured slaves in the 1800s with the premise 
of an underground railroad only to, to torture and mutilate them, which was on your favorite show. Deadly Women? <laughs> American Horror Story. That's not my favorite show. What do you always talk not? about it? You always mention that show. I do love the show, but if, if, I if, love if, it. It's my favorite. Deadly <laughs> Women. Who's this son of a bitch that told you that? Uh, I literally watch Deadly Women every single day. It's on your favorite show, The Facts of Life. <laughs> Facts of life of deadly women. <laughs> oh my god! You talk about the golden. Girl? <laughs> hey, he's like, wait, you're, I love that show. Season had Mary Worth, right? I've seen every season, every episode. I've heard of Mary Worth. My favorite. You remember that one? Oh, I've heard played, of her. Was she played by Kathy Bates? Yes. Hold okay. On. Yes. Okay. D- didn't this man that was literally a dress Mary up as too. a character? I think that was the Roanoke season. Yeah. yeah. Still not his favorite, Ian. Right? What? He dressed up as a character from American. I know. I've dressed up as a lot of characters. It's called cosplay. <laughs> yeah, of your favorite things. It doesn't even have to be my favorite show. Hey, let's cosplay like we're fucking podcasters right now. Let's finish this episode. I'm going to cosplay. Do you love it? No, I don't really care for it. Fuck, that show is the worst show ever. I just want no, to No, that's not what I said. I just said not my favorite. <laughs> Calm down. I'm kidding. Go on. I love how you mentioned all the Marys, and then I say one, you just breeze right back. <laughs> yeah, that was my fault. I was busy reading Mary Tudor? Never so heard of her. Anyway, so out. the mayor... <laughs> So, researchers in Italy, this is where all the mirror stuff comes from, discovered in 2000s that staring into a mirror in a dimly lit room for a prolonged period of time can actually cause a person to hallucinate. I bet those people want to stare in a mirror for how long are we talking? Probably 13 Bloody Marys, however long that takes. How many seconds? And then to light all your candles too. Go into the bathroom. (laughs) 13 Bloody Marys. Drink 13 (laughs) Bloody Marys. So, does anybody have any idea what Bloody Mary's name is in Spanish culture? Uh, yes. What? It's Maria del Blood. <laughs> no? Sangre de Mary. <laughs> it's actually a movie in the Conjuring series. La Llorona? You got it. Right. Are you sure about That's that? That's not what sure. it translates to. You just said translates. Didn't you? I didn't say translate. I, said, <laughs> Wait, I thought you did. Did I say that? You did. You said Spanish translates to oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it does. La you're, you're talking about. Are you sh- what are you saying? Are you saying, hold He's on. He's saying the, the same type of folklore. The folklore of La Llorona that exists in Spanish-speaking culture has overlapping similarities to that of Bloody Mary. Overlapping similarities. I thought you were saying that's the actual story. My bad. I, I thought he was saying translate Bloody Mary I thought into he said Spanish. That's why I was like, yeah. song. You're just saying it's the Spanish Sandra. version. Right. What I was, yeah, that's Mexican. what I was trying to say. Is like In Spanish culture, it's known as La La But that has to do with... Uh, I thought you were questioning my Spanish. With like <laughs> snatching children out of their beds, though. No, La La Rona was like the one that drowned her children. And then now yeah, she but goes, the but the legend is like them. is the, but after that going on, it said like uh, Spanish women would tell their children the story of like how she comes to take children yeah, from their beds, drown them. Similar to what he does. I'm so sorry. What do, what do I do? <laughs> I'm kidding. Go on. So <laughs> what were you going with that? It's only um, women. It's I only was just deadly women. On the, the legend of Bloody Mary. Just throwing that little so, fun I'm fact in there. <laughs> so that's pretty much what I have said. on the. <laughs> Wait, what about the Candyman translated name? Spanish and I'm trying yeah, to translate. Did you say that? Fucking idea. What's no, I haven't said point? that yet. I'm about to go lay down. I'm going to go sleep in my car. All right, then. So, 
That was the Urban Legends. Let's talk about the candy name real quick. We won't spend so much time on this because I know we've been talking about it for Hershey's. a minute. Jesus I guess wrap things up here, you know, like a candy wrapper. Oh, you like that, didn't you? I should have went to the car. <laughs> that that joke was sweet. Uh, oh. <laughs> All right, well, I'm I'm leaving. So there was a real-life serial killer did some pretty gruesome things. He is from right here in Indiana, where we all live at, Fort Wayne, Indiana. His name is Dean Arnold Coral. Now, Dean Arnold Coral was an American serial killer and pederast who abducted, <laughs> raped, and tortured and murdered at least 28 teenage boys. Why did you laugh and at me? I know, because he was like, those are rookie numbers. <laughs> <laughs> because you all... To have a bad habit of making me laugh at inappropriate times. <laughs> What's his name again? Ian Dean Wells. Arnold Coral. <laughs> Coral is spelled C O R L L. C O R L L. Yeah. Weird name. That's a terrible way to spell that name. So he raped, tortured, and murdered at least 28 teenage boys and young men between 1970 and 1973 in Houston and Pasadena, Texas. He was aided by two teenage accomplices. Please don't look at me, David Owens. And Elmer Wayne Henley. Now, let me tell you why this is relevant to this podcast episode. Who the fuck names their kid Elmer? It's because Dean Coral is also widely known as the Candyman. Well, I'll be dipped. He's also called the Pied Piper. But he was called the Candyman. <laughs> He's Candy- a man of many names. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he also called old Dino. But he got his name, the Candyman, because in, in the town that he was from in Fort Wayne, Indiana, he was known to stand outside one of the local factories and they would hand out candy to children. And that's not a red flag at all? Yeah. And then he would also have some of these children to come in the back of the factory to hang out and play games and stuff afterwards. Man, that's like... No, wait. wait. It's like Stranger Danger 101. Do not get in vans. Do not accept candy. Wait, we're not supposed to do those things? No. You know how many vans I've been in this week? (laughs) Means, what were you saying? He didn't do that here, though. No, he didn't do that here. He's just from Fort Wayne. Indiana. Okay, let's let's make that clear. I did say that we don't want to give Indiana you say a bad yeah. rap. I said that he murdered twenty eight teenage boys and young men in nineteen seventy and nineteen seventy three in Houston and Pasadena, Texas. Okay, thank God, because it sounded like you were saying it was so all happening God. here in Indiana. So we what, Hoosiers so are not like saying, that. So what you're saying is I can continue to get we Hoosier hospitality. We still yeah. live up. So to if that. somebody offers he was me born a, here, but he was a Texan. So if somebody yeah. offers me a Butterfinger, I'm I'm golden. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to give you my Butterfinger one time. You wouldn't take it. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> I'd snatch any Butterfinger that was offered. So. Me, sir. There's a whole lot about Dean Coral. Like, this man was a sick, sick person. How so? I, I would suggest that you just look into him a little bit. If you look into him a little bit even more, you might even decide that maybe we need to talk about him a little bit later. But there's way too much to just cram into the end of this right now. Ian, I thought your research was great. Thank you, for sir. Candyman. Appreciate you. We I got like there it. eventually. It took some detours. Yeah. I mean, you're new at trying to corral me and Ian in. I mean, it takes a while. Yeah. Like I'd say by your third or fourth, you know, try at this, you'll start getting this crowd in. Oh, I did forget to mention about Dean Coral's van that he had. He had a rather large van. Well, what you can't lure it? kids with candy without a van. Right. I mean, that just goes without right. saying. Well, well, in fact, but he had was... set up in the van a like a torture rack where he would hang people up to this and 
torture them with meat hooks. Oh, that's your opinion. I don't consider that torture at all. That's Saturday night. Uh oh. Dean Coral, bad guy. Small town. Saturday night. From Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, he's a pretty sick bastard. I know. So, that was a very interesting story. Um, I did not know that Cabrini Green was an actual place, so I'm really glad you educated me on that. I assumed there was something similar to that that they made for the movie. I did not know that it was like a direct take of a project. Would you consider it a project? They tore it down. housing projects. Like 2011 or 2012. See, I didn't even know it was a real place. I just thought it was loosely based on a place. And then the mirror thing, that's terrifying because, I mean, I... I know this is going to surprise you guys. I own a mirror in my apartment. I don't remember the fucking point I was making. Um, so, yeah, I, I own you a, have a mirror. mirror. I own a mirror. And, um, uh, yeah, that's it. I just wanted you guys to know I own a mirror. Sweet. No, seriously, well, that's, that's that's crazy that, uh, that they actually go into people's um, uh, apartments like that. Because you guys remember like old like motels and stuff. Like some of them hotels, motels, hotels, holiday ends. <laughs> so you remember like some of them when you were in your hotel, motel, holiday inn, there was a door that would connect to the other room. Yeah, oh, there yeah. were two doors yeah. that actually they would open. Yeah, that, no bueno for me. Mm-hmm. That's not. Okay. I wonder how many people were like looking in these mirrors, and, like the people looking back were like mimicking them, but like. A different person. Oh my god! This and is then they reached out and realized there was about? no mirror. They were just Man. oh my god, <laughs> staring like at a, another person. It's like a Brothers, brothers comedy. we <laughs> <laughs> two completely different people. How would you look into that and not know what the fuck you look like? I was, I was being an idiot. I but. just can't imagine the terror of this old woman, like on the phone with nine one one. Like, yeah, these people are literally trying to come through my bathroom and kill me right now. They're like, yeah, we'll take a report. Crazy lady. <laughs> <laughs> Good story, it's, man. I loved it. It's been a wild yeah. ride, but that's about all I have for you on The Candyman 1992. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. It's a classic. Speaking yeah. of checking it out, make sure you guys check out our uh, new merch store. And we're going to yeah, pimp that out oh, for quite that was a while a really now. good plug. If only that would have been here earlier when someone else was trying to plug it. <laughs> anyway, we got a merch store up, and you can find out the address for that merch store either through Trent right now. Oh, forget it. Uh, he doesn't long. remember it. Just click the it's link. No one types link. out links. So Except where would that link be? At? Is it is it weird? It'll be on is Instagram. Is it weird that I've been on it so many Facebook, times? Facebook, Twitter. But when he said it out loud, I never realized that that was that long. Yeah, it's really long. So, but anyway, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna find all kinds of t-shirts and and hoodies, sweatshirts, uh, hats. Maybe we could sell hooks. Cups. We might. We, we should. Might. I'm we should. not sure that's legal. <laughs> Can I think I think the long sleeve shirts too. fit people with hooks. So there you bees. Go. Do you know how hard it is to corral a hive of bees? I don't. I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't want to find out. You probably need a beekeeper. Would be my guess. And you need to be good. All right, I'll show myself up. <laughs> These jokes are getting better and better. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been the horror you know podcast. Thanks for the candy man there, Ian Ian Wells. My pleasure. Appreciate you all uh, sticking with me through my first time hosting. Sweet episode. The shadows taste. All right, we're going to see our way out. I'm Darren. I'm Trent. I'm Ian. Candyman. 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 Nope.